the Gospel according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. She was a runner and never lost a race before in her entire short life. Every race she ran, she broke old records and set new ones. The state meet was on the horizon for her and she was ready, although she felt mounting pressure internally and externally to win. She felt the weight of the entire world and indeed her school, resting on her shoulders. In the days leading up to the meet, many teammates ran with her to practice, cheering her on and encouraging her. The day of the meet, a Saturday, finally arrived. The gun fired. She sprinted ahead in her usual fashion and easily took the lead for the first two miles of the three-mile race. Victory seemed imminent. Suddenly she stumbled and nearly collapsed. She turned pale and she struggled to breathe. Runners flew past her and she began to cry. She mustered all of her strength, refusing to quit, crossed the finish line in 72nd place and immediately threw up. It turns out she was severely dehydrated and had a stomach virus. She was crushed. She said later she knew she would finish, even when she wasn't sure how. When Monday rolled around, 
She dreaded going to school for fear of what the other students would say to her. She felt as if she had let everybody down. After school that Monday, postseason practice resumed as she and a few other varsity runners prepared for a few invitationals. She noticed that instead of the 15 runners that had run alongside her the week before, now there were only five. The six took off on a six-mile run. Four, though, ran off on one route while she and another took another path. They were only two. She slowed down to match his pace, and he sped up to match hers. As they ran, he offered support and encouragement to her. He told her he thought she was pretty great, whether she won or lost. He told her he deeply respected her strength, both inner and outer. She thanked him for running with her. He said, it's always better to run together. If you run alone, he said, sometimes your own head turns on you and you might get lost. Call to mind All Saints Day, which we celebrate today. Far from the medieval holy day, which Luther resisted when he posted his 95 grievances against the Catholic Church, when the church at that time sold coupons to get your dead relatives out of purgatory. Now we celebrate what Luther calls the communion of saints, that is to say, the company of all the baptized, living and dead and unborn, and indeed give special thanks this day for those who have died and who now live in eternity with God. Luther's understanding of the Bible opened up God's grace to the people of Germany and eventually the world by showing them that God isn't to be feared, that we don't need to pay money to save our dead loved ones from the fires of hell and that made-up place of spiritual limbo called purgatory, that saints aren't perfect people, but rather are ordinary folks like you and me, people who sweat and swear, people who from time to time kick the dog, yell at your spouse, drink too much, break stuff, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, people who want to do good but just can't seem to pull it off. Luther calls this simul justus et peccator, so simultaneously saint and sinner. And I love Luther's understanding of the human condition, that we are saints not because we've earned that title or lead perfect lives or perform miracles, but because God says so. It's no mistake, then, that Luther was a fan of infant baptism, a tradition we still hold on to in the Lutheran Church, that God claims us as God's children forever while we are still babies, before we know whether we will grow up to be a model citizen or a criminal. So if anyone were ever to approach you on the street, I don't know, this might happen, to ask you what a saint looks like in the Lutheran Church, you can say, hey, baby, you're looking at one. <laughs> Nadia Bultz-Weber writes in her book, Accidental Saints. Never once did Jesus scan the room for the best example of holy living and send that person to tell others about him. He always sent stumblers and sinners, and I find that deeply comforting. 
So today on All Saints Day, we do not celebrate the lives of perfect people who have died. We celebrate real human beings, ones who have shaped us, ones who gave us the shape of our nose and the color of our eyes, the ones who taught us to shake hands and say please and thank you, the ones who dragged us to hospitals and nursing homes to visit the elderly and the sick, the ones who taught us how to love, the ones who walked the walk even when, especially when, the walk wasn't much fun. I remember my grandmother, I've spoken to you of her before, who took me on countless nursing home visits despite my protests and grumbling, where we delivered her homemade crafts to the sick and the dying. I remember one day losing my mind and actually daring to say to her, I don't want to go. Those places smell bad and I never know what to say and they make me feel uncomfortable. And she looked me square in the eye and said, I'm not interested at all in your comfort. Get your coat. We're going. <laughs> Lesson, you don't mess with a tiny German grandma. That woman walked the walk, even when the walk took me to a place of death that did not smell so great. She taught me how to minister to the dying. My grandma, Saint Elizabeth, who had... An intolerance for clutter, fried and mean pork chop, and had a temper that made grown men tremble. Kurt Fries died last week. His funeral was yesterday. He was many things to this community. He served on the Johnson County Board of Supervisors. As you know, before that, he owned the restaurant Devotee just down the street. Kurt would be the first to say that he was far from perfect, but he would drink a Guinness with you, and he would climb into the arena to march and protest and rally. He led with his chin, his compassionate heart, and his brilliant mind. He was a champion for human rights for all people, and he walked the walk. On Thursday night at LCM, in this very sanctuary, one of our students lit a candle in remembrance of St. Kurt and this congregation grieves the loss of two of our own members, St. Ella Ackerman, St. Jim Gardner. None of us dropped out of the sky to earth. We are all who we are because of other people who have walked or run before us and beside us. We are a part of that company, that communion of saints, and it's important to remember that, otherwise you start to believe the voices in your head that say that you're worthless. And then you may, like a solitary runner, forget where you're going and follow those voices and get lost. Last Saturday, there was an immigration reform rally on the Pentecost. Some of you were there. Thank you for that. Sponsored by Lutheran Campus Ministry, Just Church, Iowa Poor People's Campaign, Love Works Campus Ministry, the Eastern Iowa Community Bond Project, Iowa Students for Refugees, and LUVAC. After the rally, we walked from the Pentecost to Merge for worship. We paused on the Ped Mall to listen to El Fatih from the Iowa City Mosque call out the Azan, the Islamic call to worship. 
We then entered Merge and worshipped in English and Spanish and Arabic, welcoming friends of the Hindu and Muslim faiths and friends from the agnostic and atheist communities. Campus ministries from you and I and Waldorf joined us for these events. While it was indeed a glorious day, the walk from the Pentecost to Merge was at times difficult and quite unexpectedly confrontational, as Iowa had just lost the ball game, and our path took us past and through many fans who had maybe just a skosh too much to drink. Some angry and offensive things were yelled at our procession as we passed by. Some international students were told to go the F home. One Waldorf student named Sahid, who is a robust and intimidating-looking man of six foot two inches, said, I was raised on the streets of Lagos, Nigeria. But that walk from our rally to merge was the scariest thing I've ever done. He said, but I know I wasn't alone. Sahid, our Muslim brother, was surrounded by the communion of saints who walked with him, who linked arms with him, who put arms around his shoulders as the group walked together. The rally felt safe, worship felt safe, but it was that walk that was so challenging. It is the walk in life that is the most difficult. The daily steps that take us places we might not necessarily want to go. Places of fear and death, uncertainty, anxiety. We praise God for the saints who walk with us, who run alongside us long after the season is over and the spotlight has shifted to something else. Saints who call us out from our own heads and remind us of our value and our worth as children of God. I invite you to, for a moment, close your eyes. Who has walked the walk of life with you? For whom do you give God thanks this day? Who ran alongside you when you were hurting or ashamed? Who are the ones who wiped away your tears when you cried as a child, when you scraped your knee, and now as an adult when you cry over the pain of the world? Who taught you to speak so that one day you might say those words, I love you, and then challenge authoritative powers that oppress and strip away the rights and dignity of other people? Who taught you your first steps so that one day you might march and stomp your feet in protest when brothers and sisters are shot while worshiping in a synagogue? Who filled your young muscles with strength and made your tender bones resilient so that when you are knocked down, you have the courage to stand back up? I invite you to open your eyes. In the Lutheran Church, we don't just wait for someone to die before calling them a saint. We celebrate saints while they still live, knowing that one day we all will die. Who are your saints now? The living ones, who are the ones who bear you up when you have struck your foot against a stone. Who are the ones who run alongside you now when your path takes you places you do not want to go. 
who gives you strength and courage when you are asked to do a thing you don't think you can do. For all of these names and faces that have flashed through our minds, for their voices that call to us from our memory, for all these beloved ones who walk the walk, for those who have run the good race, we give God thanks. This mortality that we confront today is sacred. We see God face to face in the past, in this very moment, and in the future. We envision faces of loved ones from long ago. We feel the unborn kick in the womb. We visualize the faces of our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. As tiny feet grow and walk and run and stumble and are finally still, we give God thanks for receiving the very ones whom God has so lovingly created, casting none aside, forgetting none, and unfolding all in that mysterious and infinite love that really only God can comprehend. Mary Oliver writes, To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends upon it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. This poem rests in our hearts, for we know to let someone go is to let them go into death and through it into the waiting arms of God. Amen.